Welcome to the 399th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Christina Sweeney Baird, author of the debut novel, The End of Men. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 185,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a different story, one that supports your local community and your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best your local bookseller. Here's your special offer from the Reading and Writing Podcast. Get two audiobooks for the price of one today with your first month of membership with the code RWPODCAST at checkout. This offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S. Check out Libro.fm today. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Christina Sweeney Baird, author of the debut novel, The End of Men. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. If someone hasn't heard about your debut novel yet, how would you describe The End of Men? So it's a speculative fiction that is set between 2025 and 2031. And it imagines a world in which a virus to which women are immune quite quickly kills 90% of the world's men. So you follow a range of characters, people like Dr. Amanda McLean, who um, is the doctor who treats patient zero and has two sons and a husband at home, um, a social anthropologist called Catherine, who's trying to record the stories of the plague. And it shows you how different people react in different ways around the world and looks at both how people individually would respond. If 90% of the world's men died, it would obviously cause such enormous change and also how societies respond. And I should point out, based on the press material that was sent to me about your novel, this was you wrote this prior to the pandemic, correct? I did, yes. Yeah. So I, I started writing it in September 2018, and I finished it. I finished rewriting it for my agent in December 2019, and then it went out on submission to publishers January 2020, and was bought, you know, early February 20, 2020. So it's been a very <laughs> unusual and obviously unexpected the experience that I wrote a book about a pandemic and, and then quite promptly a pandemic and that's obviously not something you ever can foresee I think when you're writing I'm I've had the Cassandra joke quite a few times but one thing that has been really nice actually and obviously unexpected is that quite a few early readers have said that the book actually makes them feel quite a lot better about the world we're living in today and I think that that seeing a story have some level of resolution in a way that we don't have currently in it. And believe it or not, End of Men is actually quite a hopeful book. There is quite a lot of optimism in it. I think that's actually been something that has been lovely for me to hear as an author. That's great. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The End of Men? 
I do. So I have that kind of unusual, maybe it's not unusual, actually. I think a lot of authors I've spoken to, actually, when it's the idea that, that really goes somewhere and it gets you an agent, gets you published, that you do sometimes, I think, very quickly, this is a good idea. And I remember being in my kind of local library in London, and I had very recently read The Power by Naomi Alderman which is a wonderful piece of speculative fiction. And I thought that's what happens if women become more physically powerful than men. In the power, women develop electrical ability. But what happened if, what would the world look like fundamentally without men? If you just removed men from structures that exist as they are, what on earth would change and what would stay the same? And I'd also read World War Z by Max Brooks, which is a book that I adore back in, I think, kind of 2000 and maybe 14, 15. And I, I loved the style of that, this UN report style with lots of different voices. It gives you this very broad understanding of how the world would change. So I think my brain combined the structure of World War Z and, and, and I suppose thinking about gender through the lens of speculative fiction. And I do remember having that thing of, what about a book that looks at the world without men? And, and I started writing not too long afterwards. And so I'm curious, do you think women would manage a pandemic better than what we've seen in the past year? Um, I I actually don't, I don't know. I'm looking at how different world leaders have dealt with it. I think that, frankly, there are men and women that have dealt with it well and badly. So I suppose it's not so much whether women are, you know, instinctively better at something or not, but more that how current how, how different for example an entire the UK parliament would look if you suddenly didn't have 90% of the men there if that makes sense rather than individually whether men or women are better or worse at things I find it interesting to if you have this sudden negative space how does hospital work if you suddenly don't have nine or ten men how does a law firm work how would you what would your street look like if suddenly every family within it had lost nine out of ten men so I suppose that's more kind of where I thought about it but with the pandemic I have to say there's been some places dealt with it brilliantly I think Jacinda Arden springs to mind with that and some places not so well. And I will, will take the diplomatic route and not name any names. But I think that I don't necessarily know badly. You mentioned earlier about having the idea that led you to writing The End of Men. I'm curious, had you written um, fiction before, short stories or previous novels? What was your writing journey before you sat down to write The End of Men? So I had written a full novel before End of Men, which was actually a historical romance novel, which is definitely a, quite a different genre to, to feminist dystopia. And then I and I had written, I think as lots of people do, I tried to write a novel lots of times. I'm 28 now, and I wrote the beginnings of novels all the way through my teens and my early 20s. I never really wrote short fiction. I was just, I just, I loved, I, you know, I love reading novels. I love writing them. Like it was just something I wanted to do. And yeah, I could never quite, manage to get it's quite a lot to create a story and a narrative that actually can function over like 80 to 90,000 words so I was really pleased when I finally between 2016 and 2018 took about two years I managed to write a novel a historical romance which I chose partly I should I think because I think it's sometimes it can be easier if a pe- like a genre very well to break it apart to then figure out how to put it back together again but I knew when I was writing that novel that it probably wasn't going to get published and I had the idea for End of Men about six months from the end of finishing that. And I, I remember thinking that's that the end of men is the idea. That's the one that I should really focus on. But I finished the first novel and I'm so glad I did. And I actually, I say, I say this to people quite a lot now, especially if you're near the end of a project, be very wary, I think, of jumping off it because there are so many unfinished novels in the world. And 
the next ideal will always seem more exciting than the idea you're working on. So I did. I had many beginnings of novels that never got anywhere and a full unfinished, you know, full finished manuscript before I started writing End of Man. And so you said that you knew even as you were writing and finishing the historical romance that you didn't think it would get published. Why, why did you think that? I think it was a combination of kind of the practical understanding of how the market works. Here in the UK, actually, we have obviously had the wonderful Bridgerton effect. Um, as a long-time reader of Julia Quinn, it's been glorious seeing people suddenly read historical romance. But we don't really have a, a historical <laughs> romance market in quite the same way. And I think also I, th- I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I thought it was good, but I just, it didn't feel, I suppose it just didn't feel magical. I know it sounds odd, but it was more that once I had the idea for End of Men, that felt like such a good idea. I, I wanted to read that. That was the fundamental thing with Men. I thought, well, I want to read that book. And so it just felt like it was a better idea. It felt like more agents would be open to it in the UK, which indeed was the case. It just felt, it felt like the better idea. Sure. And you mentioned earlier about writing these beginning of novels and then working your way up to writing this historical romance. You mentioned how it's how it's difficult to figure out how to sustain that narrative and put together the large canvas of a novel. What do you think you figured out along the way about being able to do that? It's a really good question. I think it's two key things which are based around reading and writing. And one <laughs> is I read a lot. I, I, and, and specifically, I, I changed my reading habits in the course of, you know, when I was like, right, I'm trying to write properly here. And I just read more broadly. I'd always read a lot of memoir and a lot of romance and a lot of women's fiction. And I started really trying to explore different authors that I just wouldn't have read otherwise. So for example, I read How to Stop Time by Matt Haig, which is a really beautiful speculative fiction novel. It's not really marketed as speculative fiction, but that's what it is. I think I read that in 2017 Mm -hmm. before I started writing NMN. And that's the kind of thing where I think all of that kind of creative stuff that you take in can have a really big impact. So part of it was that I, I read more broadly and I tried to, I think, really understand different types of books rather than having maybe slightly more narrow reading. And I think the other thing with writing is that once you've written a novel once, I found that it just became a bit more doable. I don't have, a, I don't have, I don't plan things on spreadsheets. So I know some people have this kind of quite regimented systems, I think, especially for crime and thrillers. But for me, it was just more an understanding of the bits that I find difficult around the 40, 50,000 mark, I find quite challenging. I tend to find that I'm getting a bit lost in the weeds, figuring out what kind of beginning works for me. I like to set out my characters, I think, in the life that they're living just before everything changes. So you have an understanding of what's being lost. That stuff you can't really know until you're doing it. And the process of writing a full novel just meant that I could, when I then went into writing End of Men, go, okay, I'm feeling stuck at 45,000 words. It's fine. Keep going. Okay. How do I think the beginning's going to work? I think it's going to work. <laughs> so it was partly, I think also just practice is the best way to, to figure things out. And also if the idea is good enough, that should feel like there's a lot to say. One of the things I have is that End of Men is actually not that long for, for something in the kind of speculative space. It's about 108,000 words, which is about 400 pages. And I really wanted it to feel it's quite tight, but it doesn't have a lot of fat there to, to be stripped away. And that's really important, I think, so that you should feel like there's more to say, I think, and you're trying to cut stuff out that actually is still pretty good. Whereas maybe with the romance, that it felt like a bit of a battle to fill it out into like 80,000 words. So I think if the idea is good enough, it also helps you sustain right. the, the space. 
Well, you just said that you didn't create a spreadsheet or an extensive outline. What was your writing process? When you sat down, you, you said that you you know had this idea when you were in this library thinking about this World War Z and, and then also the power. And I, I wonder, like, when you did sit down to start working on The End of Men, how much of the novel did you have in your head at that point? Or was it a process of discovering it as you wrote it? So there were two different aspects, and I, I didn't know this at the time, but it's obviously now looking back, I can describe how it works. So what I did to start with was I wrote this kind of forward to what I imagined would be like a UN report, which is very inspired by World War Z and and is not something that now starts the book. Um, and the book has changed a lot. But so the f- very, very first thing I wrote for End of Men was this, from the future in like 2035, this person describing fundamentally what happened with the plague, what happened between 2025 and now, how has the world changed in quite a kind of clerical almost style. This happened and this happened and this happened in past tense. I, these people have helped me to write this report, etc. And so that in, inadvertently was that the world building structure. Okay, so I understood right from the beginning this is how it spreads. This is like how the kind of what's this is what the virus is called. This is what the vaccine is called. If there's going to be one, people are going to, you know, these people are going to try and find a vaccine. And so that world building kind of plot, I suppose, that ended up being a world building plot plan. And then I filled that in. What then happened was that the draft was had lots and lots of different characters, none of whom really came back more than once. And it was all in past tense. So my agent signed on the basis of that draft, but she completely correctly said, I think we need to change this and make it feel more like a novel and be much more engaging. So I rewrote about 90% of it. I think only about 10 or 15,000 words of the first draft survived into the second draft. So the actual story of the plague and like how society changed and all that world building, that stayed the same. But we really changed how the book felt. So we cut it down into kind of five or six key characters that you really see the world through, turn it into present tense. And that was something that really happened in the second draft. And I say to people now, if I'm asked about speculative fiction, that I think to make a really rich world that is also richly felt by the characters in it, I think you just need two drafts. Maybe there are people out there who can do that in one draft. I'm not one of them. So I think you just have to accept that one draft is going to have to be (laughs) really where you build like emotions and how it feels and caring about the characters. And one is going to be really doing that kind of just hardcore work of like, how does this vaccine work? How does this virus work? How does, I think the, you know, the science and all this stuff, it really has to be careful to make sure that it, it feels believable to the reader. And that just takes two drafts. So from that very beginning point of that like 4,000 word beginning plan to what the book is now, in many ways, the, the plot of the book stayed the same, but how that story is told changed hugely. Gotcha. So what fiction or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, what a question. I recently read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V. Schwab. I suspect I'm saying her name wrong, but I absolutely adored that. It's magical realism with, with a lot of historical fiction in it. And it's something where I'm a sucker for something that has like a beautiful world building and a character that you care about, as is probably that, as you can tell from what I'm saying, like that's how I like to write. And I just thought that, that book was a complete work of genius. And I also mm-hmm. read Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller recently, which is one of those books that had like been on my shelf for a while that I'd meant to get to and it and it took me a hot minute but then I read it and just thought it was completely divine and I've also actually read a lot of pandemic fiction recently I've been writing pieces on as you can imagine fiction given that the book is coming out and I read Severance by Ling Ma 
which again I think came out a few years ago and, and has done very well for good reason and I found that quite eerie uh, and haunting it has this virus called which starts in China which basically people lose their mind in a way that they they become automaton they don't understand who they are or where they are and so they just keep repeating the same actions again and again which is very haunting so those are three that I have loved recently and would, would very highly recommend that's great so are you working on a new novel now I am yes I'm really now deeply into what what I call book two it is not a sequel to end of men it's a different speculative fiction novel but it's it's currently untitled so I refer to it in in all my notes as book two which sounds quite ominous and yeah it's going really well so my agent is wonderful we have a really good kind of working partnership she's a really fantastic editor and she works very extensively with her authors to make sure that before the book you know ever goes out to publishers it's really as good as it can be so I have been working on that for for I think since probably since May like probably since September and I finished a a first draft at the end of January and I'm nearing nearing ish the end of of a big rewrite on that which again has followed the same structure that the first draft I did actually was more character heavy but didn't actually have enough world building and now I'm in the process of really building a speculative world um, and then fitting the characters within that and it's really nice seeing that come together having felt a bit hopeless during the first draft and thinking, oh my God, there's still so much to do. But it's definitely a weird experience, I think, writing <laughs> another book after your, after your first. And everyone talks about it as the kind of the sophomore album thing. But it is, it's a very, it's a very odd experience. Right. It's, but yeah, it's I'm getting there. That's great. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your debut novel, The End of Men? So I'm on Instagram quite a lot, which is at Christina Sweeney Baird. And I'm also on Twitter a fair amount. I think I'm at Christina Rose SB. And I do writing tips and things on Instagram. I think it can be a really nice community in a way to kind of chat with readers and, and, and to fellow writers as well. And I have a website where you can see what events and things I have coming up. The US launch for End of Man, I think, is going to be on the 30th of April. And I'll be in conversation with Christina Dorka, who wrote Fox, which is exciting. So those are some things that are coming up. Great. Again, we've been speaking with Christina Sweeney Baird, author of the debut novel, The End of Men. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Christina, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.